times in the New Testament that Jesus is identified specifically with the title, the Messiah. One of those, both of them are in John, one of the two disciples who heard what John the Baptist said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. And he first, after spending time with Jesus, found his brother Simon and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And Andrew led Simon, who's Peter, to Jesus. Later on in John, John 4, the woman at the well, the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. The one who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will teach everything to us. And Jesus said to her, I am. Whew! Wow. In both passages, the Messiah, Messiah is a Hebrew word, Mashiach. And that Hebrew word is translated into a Greek title, the Christ. So if we followed all the references to the Christ that are in the New Testament, there'd be many more references to Jesus as the Messiah. But I wanted to stick with the Hebrew. The reason I wanted to do that is I wanted to ask a question. What was the first century expectation of Messiah coming? For the Jews that were living in the land, for the Jews that were dispersed, what was their first century expectation of Messiah coming? A couple of references to help us. According to Jewish tradition, the Messianic era will be one of global peace and harmony, an era free of strife and hardship, conducive to the furtherment of the knowledge of the Creator. The theme of the Messiah ushering in an era of global peace is encapsulated in two of the most famous scriptural passages from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 2.4 they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift sword against nation and they will no longer study warfare. Isaiah 11, 6-9. Use your imagination on this one because I watched a, a fox come across my yard today going for the chickens. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child put his arms into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all of my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. 
a friend of mine was on a safari in uh, Africa, and it was a photo safari, not a hunting safari. And as, as he looked out over the planet, there were animals everywhere, and all the animals were at peace. And, and he said, you know, he remembered this verse. He said, oh, it, it, is, it was like the Messianic age had come. And he said it was just so peaceful, and it was so beautiful, and out of nowhere this leopard just came and tackled this antelope. And he said, well, there went that. We're not there yet. But someday, from the Mishnah, Mishnah's translation of the Talmud. And at that time, there will be no hunger or war, no jealousy or rivalry, for the good will be plentiful and all delicacies available as dust. The entire occupation of the world, the entire occupation of the world will be only to know God. So as you read those references, it seems that the Jewish expectation of Messiah in the first century was that when Messiah shows up, he would usher in an era of global peace and harmony, an era that's free of strife and hardship, when nation will no longer lift sword against nation, they'll no longer study warfare, the wolf will live with the lamb, and on and on and on and on. An era conducive to the increase of the knowing relationship, the knowing, the loving of God, the earth full of the knowledge of God, the earth full of people that love God and want to hang out with God. The entire occupation of the world will only be the knowledge of God. Knowing God, loving God, would be number one for every human on the planet at that time. Well, Messiah has come. I, I think the evidence is there. Jesus is the Messiah. But what about the Messianic age? I mean, what happened? So there is an explanation. So turn on the thinker for a moment. Christian eschatology eschatology is the study of last things where are we going points to the gradual character of the messianic age according to realized eschatology the messianic era a time of universal peace and brotherhood on the earth without crime war poverty to some extent is already here With the crucifixion of Jesus, the Messianic era has begun. But according to inaugurated eschatology, it will be completed and brought to perfection by the parousia, the coming, the second coming of Jesus. When you boil all that down, the Messianic age is both, both, already here, realized, and not yet inaugurated. It's begun. We're waiting for the fullness. So what can we expect? A Messiah and peace as we wait for the fullness of the Messianic age to come. Peace that is both 
already here and not yet. Peace that some days we realize and some days we don't. Peace that's inaugurated. So it's, bo it's the both and. Now, how does that work out? I mean, how's that working for you would be a good question. <laughs> well, I hope it matches the reality of your life. There are days that we feel very at peace. There are other days we don't. This theology, this understanding allows for both to be true. I believe that we're living in an age of unrest. Now, this is me. I don't want to lay it on you, but I think we're pretty unsettled. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still grappling with the unrest of the COVID pandemic. I mean, the Mata family just had COVID. Oh, you know, we, we might be, well, we, well I think we're, well, we're done with that. Well, no, we're not done with that. King's community who's sharing the building with us, someone was going to help Molly decorate. Look at the decorations. Well, she couldn't help Molly because she had COVID. So it's not over. I want it to, I want it to, I, whoa, I want it to be over. But it's not over. And we're still bickering about how to deal with it. That's, does that not unsettle you? I mean, that unsettles me. I, I don't, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not at peace. And then you bring into that, because that whole pandemic got politicalized. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, the politicians didn't need to start talking about health issues other than follow the health experts. That would have been a nice response by every politician. I don't have a clue, but we have, we have people that are qualified to tell us what to do. And we should follow their advice. I, I would have had more peace if our politicians would have gone that way rather than become the authorities about pandemic, which is nothing they understand. So I, and it just, it just it caused all kind of strife. And not only that, it caused death. A lot of death that didn't need to happen. So I'm, un, I'm unsettled. Are you unsettled by that? I'm unsettled by that. I'm, I'm tired. And I can't just, Susan, we'll just stop reading it. You can't just stop reading it. It's everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm not settled with the partisanship, political partisanship that has crept into the church that has resulted in churches dividing. So now we have churches that wear masks and churches that don't. We have churches that say, get vaccinated. That's the smart, wise thing to do. And churches that say, if you get vaccinated, don't come here because that's the mark of the devil. That's, that's pretty divided. There, there's not unity in the body of Christ. There's not peace. There's not rest in the body of Christ concerning politics or, or COVID. And that really undoes me. Because I begin to worry. I worry about our identity. Is my identity in Christ, does it have anything to do with wearing a mask? Does my identity in Christ have anything to do with getting a vaccine? Does my identity in Christ have anything to do with what political party I lean to? We're in this, we're in this unrest of racism. How, 
You know, a hundred years from the emancipation of, of slaves to the Civil Rights Movement. And now we're a hundred years from the Civil Rights Movement and we're still highly prejudiced in our systems. I, I'm not settled with that. Are you? Are you settled with that? I, I feel, I feel I'm, I'm, there's, I'm not at rest. And then that racism we've seen I mean, I've been. Is there going to be justice in our courts? I wonder about the wealth inequality. I, I, Nathaniel's the first person that I've ever heard say there's seven billion people on the planet, and there's X number of billionaires. Those billionaires could like give billions away. Like everybody on the planet could be a millionaire. Every household, 22 million households, every household could be a millionaire if that group of small number of billionaires started giving out funds so everybody could benefit. Wow, I th that really, there was peace in that, but then it brings me back to, but man, we are not there. <laughs> I'm unsettled by the inequality of our economic systems. I... I'm, I'm unsettled about our conversation about climate change. I read a fascinating article about a gentleman who for the past 50 years has lived in a log cabin north of Crested Butte, Colorado. I don't even remember the mountain that he lives close to, but he has measured temperature and snowfall for the past 50 years and kept a record of it. And by his record, something is not quite the same. Something has changed. Well, that's pretty scientific what he did. He's got a 50-year record. And, but we can't seem to figure out we got to do something. I'm unsettled. Well, that's my list. Is, are you unsettled about anything else? I mean, we can let this list grow. Are you unsettled just because we have a list like this? <laughs> just, Susan did say, would you stop going through that litany? I'm just tired of hearing that litany. <laughs> are close to them. That's what I heard. <laughs> so Messiah has come that the benefits of the kingdom of God, the rule of Messiah, is not yet here. And so we live, and we're in a season. It's not always this much all the, all the time. We're in a season of great unrest. And so what do we do? So I heard Jesus encouraging me to bring us here. Jesus' invitation is, come to me. All you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, I will give you rest. Put on my yoke. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. You will find rest for yourselves. Because my yoke is easy to bear and my burden 
is light. I'm wondering about you. Are you struggling hard? Are you carrying heavy loads? My suspicion is, yes, that's, that's all of us. And then that leads me to, what's your threshold? How, how much can you bear? You know, I thought about, you know, trucks are weighed. There, there's weight limits on trucks that go down our highways. You know, if there was a rest stop and you had to, you know, kind of park yourself there and be weighed, what would you, would you be within the, the tolerance that you could bear or not? Again, my suspicion is we're all a bit overweight, not, you know what I get, we're carrying too much weight. We're shouldering too much. And so Jesus is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us right now, come to me. Come to me. You don't have to carry that alone. And how, how do you come to Jesus? I had the delightful experience this week of coming home and I went to the back steps because uh, I knew I was going to have a lot of sawdust in my, my shoes. If you, if you cut a lot of lumber on a, on a table saw, it just fills your shoes with sawdust. And I didn't want to take off my shoes and then clean up my mess in the house. And so I went to the back porch. And so I'm just kind of taking off my shoes and cleaning out my socks. And all of a sudden, I just get hit with this blast of cool air. And it just brought me back to God walking with Adam in the cool of the day. I said, Jesus, you're still inviting us to walk with you in the cool breeze. After a day of toil, after a day of dust, I'm refreshed by the coolness of your presence. And there wasn't, it. I did not hurry. I did not keep track of the time. I just spent time being refreshed by the presence of Jesus. How does he come to you? When was the last time he came to you? When was the last time you enjoyed the benefit of his, pe his presence right with you, refreshing you, renewing you, lifting off the burdens. See, what can Jesus do for us? He has rest. And that rest, to me, that's peace. A cessation of this unrest, this, this unsettling. He brings the solution, the rest, the peace to us. And he shoulders the burdens with us. Because you and I are not agrarian, Jesus' you know, 
take up the yoke with me, I'm not sure that communicates everything that it could. So I thought about this. <laughs> and I want you to think about it for a moment. Where, where, where do you see Jesus? Is he in the front or is he in the back? See, I see Jesus in the back. I don't, I don't feel like Jesus is trying to wrestle control out of the handlebars. I think that Jesus is saying, you know, stay, go, keep going down the path you're going down. I'm going to be behind you. And I'm going to pedal hard because we can pedal together. And we can face these challenges together, all these hills. We can face that together. When all the thrill of going down there, we can, we can do that together. And Jesus might say, slow down a little bit. <laughs> That's a little too fast. Slow down. He's about to turn the wrong direction, I'm sure. He'll, you know, maybe you want to think, why don't you keep on going straight? Or maybe you might want to turn left instead of right. But I don't, I don't see Jesus as saying, you get in the back, I'm in the front. He's wanting to help us as we navigate life. Where do you see Jesus? And do you invite Jesus? Hey, I need you to get on with me. Let's go together. Does anybody have a tandem bike? It's almost a thing of the past, isn't it? I was going to suggest if you had, you know, you could kind of come around and you could just like give all of us a ride with you and then that would... Folks, people that I love, my prayer is that we would realize the peace, the rest of Jesus today. In this moment, as we wait, sometimes patiently, other times very impatiently, for the fullness of his peace and rest to arrive when he returns. So take a moment to receive whatever peace, whatever rest is here today for you. Receive that. It's Jesus' gift to us. Jesus, as we face the challenges of these days, as heavy burdens are laid upon us, as we grow weary, help us to hear your voice. Give us an ear that's always attuned to come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Thank you for the peace and the rest that you give to us. 
in moments where we stop and we pause and we receive. And thank you for the kingdom of peace that is coming. Thank you that everything that was written by the prophet Isaiah will be true. And we thank you for that day. In your name, amen. If you have any comments or questions you, you want to share in light of that which I've shared with you this morning. You're that settled in peace now? <laughs> I just appreciate you acknowledging the season that we're in. I feel like just that acknowledgement gives me peace. I think that's important to not just gloss over it. You know, what's really wonderful about that, Amber, is that God chose a very troubled time for the baby to be born in. And so if we gloss over the troubled times that we're in and the celebration of his birth, we're missing the whole point. That Messiah comes when we're at our worst in some ways, when we're troubled. You know, whenever you're having troubles in your family, don't ever give in to the temptation. Oh, he's going he's gonna to stay away from us until we resolve this. No. He always wants to be in the middle of the mess. That's when he's at his best. So I'm glad. Yeah. And thank, thank you that I have the freedom to be honest with where we are. Other comments, questions? That was a wonderful little sigh. That was rest. I heard rest in that. All right. May Messiah bless us. Oh, yes. We have a, you have a farewell announcement? Yeah. Okay. We will transition to farewell. How's that?